noble thing and a good thing. Police officers and soldiers must be willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. And last week we heard about a French police officer, Lieutenant Colonel Armand Beltram, 44 years old. He exchanged places with a woman who was being held hostage by a terrorist. He exchanged places. He willingly took her place and he lost his life. But she was set free. She lived because of his sacrifice. And when we hear that and things like that, we acknowledge those sacrifices as noble and good. Even in less dramatic matters, sacrifice is, is necessary to bring about something good. It's necessary uh, for something good to come about through, through sacrifice. It's necessary in order for something to come about that's good. Oftentimes, sacrifice is required. Raising children <laughs> requires a measure of sacrifice, a deep measure. But the development of any sort of skill, musician, artist, athlete, surgeon, writer, any profession, any skill, requires a sacrifice of time and effort. But today we remember this sacrifice, which is the greatest sacrifice in human history and the greatest good that has ever come from any sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus. And I want to underline the point, highlight the point that we need to acknowledge that Jesus did this willingly. Uh, he did not, of course, desire to suffer, but he entered into this suffering clear-eyed, in control, determined to submit to his Father's will. Isaiah 53, which was we read and which was written centuries before Jesus, the prophet in Isaiah 53 prophesies about the coming of a suffering servant of God. And he says this, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. I mean, here is the word of God in flesh who did not speak a word in his own defense. He was completely innocent, the innocent one, but he spoke not a word. When the soldiers came to arrest him, Jesus said to Peter, hot-headed Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given to me? He says to Pilate, vacillating, skeptical Pilate, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. The point is this, that Jesus... The very Son of God, Jesus, the God-man, was not a victim of events beyond his control. Jesus, at his arrest, said that he could have called twelve legions of angels. He could call on his Father to send twelve legions of angels, and they would have intervened to rescue him. That's in Matthew's Passion, Matthew 26, 53. But Jesus willingly entered in to this suffering. He willingly sacrificed. And then reflect for a moment about how Jesus suffered and what this cost Him. And we can never really plumb the depths of Jesus' suffering. Um, and it's beyond my words to even 
gain much of a glimpse of the suffering of Jesus. But let's just remind ourselves of what we read here, what the Scripture tells us about His suffering. Isaiah 53 promises that the, uh, prophesies that the suffering servant would be despised and rejected by men. Despised and rejected. And we see that in Jesus' passion. His own disciples. Judas betrayed Him. Peter, who was supposed to be the rock, the leader of the disciples, denied him to a servant girl, a servant man. He was despised. He was rejected. The crowds whipped up by the religious leaders shouted, crucify him. And we joined in that as we read the Passion together. That's a difficult thing to say, isn't it? But he was despised and rejected by men. And the hatred and, and intensity of this hatred towards Jesus is growing and as the story unfolds. A soldier strikes him with his hand in front of the high priest. Pilate has Jesus flogged, which means that his flesh was ripped by shards of metal and fragments of bone. The soldiers, in cruel mockery, twist together a crown of thorns to put on his head. N.T. Wright wrote this. He said, The evil which dodged Jesus' footsteps throughout his career now gathers into one great tidal wave of evil that would crash into Jesus with full force. And so what we are seeing here in the passion of Jesus is the vileness, the ugliness of evil and rebellion against God and His purposes in the world. And in, we've all, in some way, contributed to that. So then, Jesus is finally crucified. The innocent one is stripped naked, completely naked, and nailed to the cross and hung between two thieves. The Romans, we know the Romans designed crucifixion to inflict maximal pain. They designed it to be the cruelest and slowest way to die that they could imagine. So we get our word excruciating from this, from the cross. Excruciating. And they designed crucifixion not only to, to, to create maximum pain, but also to degrade and dehumanize the victim. And that's part of the reason Jesus was, was stripped naked. I guess that was the reason, to dehumanize and degrade him, to make him repulsive. He had no former majesty that we should look at him. Isaiah says, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So you have the physical pain, you have the degradation, the dehumanization, and then who can comprehend the spiritual torment that Jesus went through as he suffered on the cross and as he absorbed all of that sin and evil unto himself, and as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he willingly entered into this great suffering, and he presented himself as a sacrifice to God and on our behalf. Let's remember why he did it. John, in, in this gospel reading, in this passion, throughout his passion, John is very careful to connect Jesus' passion with the Passover. 
Did you notice that throughout these readings? The day of preparation, the day of preparation, the day of preparation. It's the preparation for the Passover. And, uh, of course, at the Passover festival, the people of Israel sacrificed a lamb. And they remembered that God had delivered them from Egypt. And he told them that in order to pass over them, that they were to sacrifice a lamb, the blood of a lamb, and put that blood on the doorpost. And then God's judgment, the judgment of death, would strike their enemies and pass over them. They would be spared, the people of Israel, by sacrifice. They would be delivered by the blood of the lamb. And so what John is telling us and what all the Gospels tell us and the Apostles tell us is that Jesus is the true Paschal lamb. Jesus is the true Passover lamb. Passover lamb foreshadows the work of Jesus, who is the full, sufficient, and perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. His death delivers us, delivers us from death, ultimately. Final death, complete death. His death delivers us from death and the judgment of God. And death and the judgment of God is the just penalty for our sin. We deserve that. And we can never pay this penalty, but it took God to pay this penalty. And out of His mercy, He's done that for us. We could never give enough to God to make up for our sin, much less the sin of the whole world. It took Jesus, the God-man, to do that in our place. And so that's what we remember today, and that's what we give thanks to God for. I heard the story of, from another preacher of, uh, I think it was of Nicholas II, a czar of Russia. It might have been Nicholas I, I'm not sure about that, but the story goes, the legend goes that Nicholas used to dress up like an ordinary soldier when he would go to inspect the troops and uh, inspect the outpost and so that nobody, of course, would know who he was. And one time he went to this outpost where there was a soldier who had gotten into some gambling problems. And he was in charge of the books. And he started to gamble with some of the funds. And uh, he started to use some of those funds to pay off his gambling debts. And he always intended to, to pay it back. But he found out that the books were soon to be inspected. And so, he got a little nervous. And he started to add up all that he had stolen on one side of the ledger, and he added up all that he had on the other side of the ledger, and he realized he could never pay it. He could never pay what had been taken from him. And so he determined that rather than go through the disgrace and shame and put his family through disgrace and shame, he was going to end his life. And he took a revolver and put it on his desk and he began to drink some vodka. And uh, as he drank and as he thought about what he had done, he wrote on that ledger, a great debt, who can pay? Through the night he... He drank and he contemplated what he had done, contemplated his fate. The vodka began to work on him and he slumped over. He fell asleep on his desk. And then Nicholas arrived to inspect. 
And he noticed that there was this light on in this officer's room and he went into the room and he saw the soldier slumped over and he saw the vodka and he saw the gun and he went over and looked at this ledger and saw the line, great debt, who could pay? And he understood immediately what happened. And he, uh, he was getting ready to order the arrest of this young soldier and having court-martialed. But he took another look at the boy and he realized it was a familiar face. It was uh, the son of his friend. And so Nicholas took his pen and he wrote down on the ledger one word. Nicholas. A great debt who can pay. And he wrote Nicholas. And then he put his signet ring, his seal, underneath that signature. And he, he left into the night. A few hours pass, the soldier wakes up. He picks up the gun. And then he looks at that paper and he sees the name of the king, Nicholas. And he knew that he had been saved. There was no way he could pay that off. But he had been saved. And true to his word, Nicholas paid back every last gold coin that the boy had stolen. One name could save him, Nicholas. There's one name that can save us, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. God's holiness, God's justice required a sacrifice for sin. And God's love and mercy provided it for us. It's not as if God didn't love us until Jesus did this. Sometimes that can be confusing to people. It's not as if God had to be convinced to love us by the sacrifice of Jesus. No, God's love, we know, was the motivation all along. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But God's righteousness had to be satisfied in such a way that He could pardon sinners without violating His own holiness, His own moral rectitude, you might say. And so Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. God, man. And when Jesus cries out on the cross, it's finished. It's a cry of victory. Mission accomplished. The price has been paid in full. And so we give him thanks and praise today for that. And let's trust him afresh for his sacrifice and for our salvation. Amen. 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 Lord, we do ask that you would help us to um, trust you alone. Trust you alone for our salvation for making a way for us to be in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Soften our hearts by Your Holy Spirit so that we might be filled with gratitude and love towards You, Lord Jesus, and might be willing to share this with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.